it's time to sit back and relax with your favorite drink and listen. My brother ate a gas station chili dog. This is what happened to him. The things crawling around in my brother's guts have baffled every doctor we've taken him to. Every second his condition worsens, and I'm afraid if we don't find the cause soon, we'll lose him for good. I always knew he'd pay for eating that shady food. I just thought it would end with him on the toilet, not a stretcher. My brother and I share a dorm at the same college. Being twins, you can probably guess we're almost the same person. From our green eyes to our names, Jaden and Jordan. I had to start going by Jay just to keep from getting mixed up with him. Well, a few days ago, we hopped in my crappy used Toyota and headed back home for our family reunion. As Jordan weaved in and out of the different lanes, I wondered how he ever managed to pass his driving test. Well, our Walmart salaries don't really allow for breakfast, so... When we saw the dusty old gas station at the edge of town, he looked at me and smiled. Oh no, I said. Oh come on man, I'm starving. No way. You know gas stations probably use dog meat in their food. Hey man, don't knock it until you try it. Before I could think, he'd whipped the wheel to the right, launching us into the parking lot. As I recovered from my mini heart attack, he jumped out of the car. You can starve waiting for Wendy's if you want, but I'm hungry now. I followed him in to grab a water, but reconsidered as I looked around. It looked like something out of a zombie apocalypse. The gas pumps were crawling with orange rust and weeds poked up through the cracked pavement. Well, when I'd spotted it, I felt the sign had read Speedway, but on closer inspection, it actually said Speedster. The logos were so similar, I could barely tell them apart. The condition was even worse inside. It looked like it was cleaned maybe once a year and the cashier didn't even look up from his phone on our arrival. As Jordan picked out his order, I started wandering around the shelves. As I was inspecting a dusty water bottle, what looked to be a millipede scuttled over my shoe. I hopped back, disgusted, and set the bottle back down. I went back to the counter and Jordan was still looking around. Once he decided... He pointed at the menu and made the worst mistake of his life. Five minutes later, we were back on the road. Jordan sat next to me, pigging out on a greasy chili dog slathered with cheese. A few minutes into his feast, he stopped abruptly. I nodded at the pile of grease and cheese in his hands. You regret it yet? Oh, his stomach gurgled. Oh, yeah, he said, tossing the hot dog back in the bag. And it was fine for the first few hours, but by the time it was his turn to drive, he was at least three shades paler than usual. He kept complaining about being too hot no matter how much I cranked up the AC. That night we made it to our Airbnb. We were met by a short guy with a hunting cap. He glared at Jordan. Your pal looks like he's got a fever. You all better not have COVID. Don't worry. All this dummy's got is a stomach bug from some bad gas station food. Looking back, it's almost funny how wrong I was. That night, in the guy's guest room, Jordan tossed and turned on the pull-out mattress. He clutched at his stomach and sweat beaded on his forehead. The next morning, Jordan was really quiet. As we packed our things, he kept rubbing it at his arms. 
His skin was becoming a sickly yellow and he kept rubbing at his hands. Outside, he walked toward the driver's seat. Wanting him to rest a bit more, I said, Hey, no worries, man, I'll drive. He waved me off as he stepped inside. I'm fine, I promise. No way. You don't seem all there. I'll just... I said I'm fine, he insisted, cutting me off. It's my stomach that's messed up, not my brain. Well, he looked at me with eyes that were sharp and alert, so I reluctantly agreed, but only for an hour. Well, that mistake almost cost us our lives. I hesitantly got in the passenger seat and we got back on the highway. I watched him as he drove. Now that I was closer, I could make out tiny bumps all on his skin. Well, they were faint, but still there, scattered all over his forearms. One particularly large one sat on the back of his hand, right in the middle. It was when I was studying his face that I noticed two things that made my heart drop. One was that we were going extremely fast, even for him. The second was that his eyes were closed. He suddenly slumped to the left, arms falling to the seat, limp. My heart dropped as I saw we were moments from rear-ending the car in front of us. I had no control of the brakes, so I grabbed the wheel and yanked it to the left, nearly clipping the car as we passed. Oh, the momentum flung Jordan and me, and his foggy eyes opened a bit. Jordan, wake up! You need to pull over! I yelled. He sluggishly mumbled. Your face needs to pull over. And slumped over again. I switched the gear into neutral and switched on the hazards. I waited for an SUV on our right to pass before guiding the car to the side of the road and letting it slowly come to a stop. It was all a blur from there. After calling 911, an ambulance arrived and took him away. I followed it and soon found myself in the ER lobby, pacing back and forth. Eventually I was led into an examination room where Jordan sat in a blue medical gown. I was horrified by what I saw. In the few hours we'd been away from each other, the bumps on his skin had worsened drastically. His bumps had swollen into huge, fleshy lumps. An older woman walked in and introduced herself as Dr. Willows. Hi, son. How are we doing today? Well, my brother almost killed me and himself, so how do you think? Oh, okay, I replied. Do you know what's happening to Jordan? Oh yes, your brother seems to... She paused, breaking eye contact. He seems to have um, a bit of a parasite. I gaped at her. A parasite? What type? We don't know yet. I felt the urge to panic, but fought it. The coffee I was sipping wasn't helping my nerves much. How do you not know? Oh, she looked at some documents and slowly said... Well, even with his blood test and x-ray, we can't determine the exact type. Oh, you see, animals pick up so many parasites, many aren't completely understood. Now, although they're usually restricted to one species, on rare occasions they can host-jump to humans when food isn't cooked thoroughly. Although we've narrowed Jordan's parasite down to the Ascaris family, we aren't sure what its specific characteristics will be. He handed me what looked to be an x-ray. At first, it looked completely normal, but on closer inspection, I found something disturbing in his abdomen. There, in his stomach, I saw three or four long, skinny worms, 
The thought of those things slithering around my brother's guts made me sick to my stomach. She cleared her throat and said, However, um, that's not the only issue. There's more, I cried, fear seeping into my voice. Normally when this species lays eggs, well, they pass through the stool. However, we didn't find any in your brother's stool sample. Okay, um, that's good, right? It means it's not laying eggs. She gave me a pitying look and said, Not quite. We know it's in its reproductive cycle from the blood tests. The issue is that the eggs aren't leaving the body. Based on a CT scan we did, they appear to be stuck to the walls of his stomach with some sort of biological adhesive. I looked over at Jordan, who was sitting on the chair, staring foggy-eyed out of the window. They must have told him already. How many eggs do these things lay? I asked. Well, again, we aren't quite sure, but it's typically about 200,000, she replied. A year? A day? My head pounded. How was I supposed to tell Mom? Yeah, hey, Mark, Jordan's caught some weird parasite and it's going to pop out of his chest like alien. Oh, by the way, what's for dinner? What happens when they hatch? I asked. Dr. Willows looked at her feet. We don't have enough information on this strain of Ascaris, to be sure. Not sure. I'd been getting more and more panicked throughout the conversation. It finally bubbled to the surface. I slammed my hand on the counter beside me. Well then, just cut them out or something. She remained composed, saying, Those eggs are buried in the walls of Jordan's stomach. We'd need to kill the eggs first and then remove them. If our team had a sample of the parasite... We'd know how. How long do we have before the eggs hatch? After pausing for a beat to check her notes, she took a deep breath and replied. The blood test shows they're already in the intermediate stages of development. If you also account for the warm, nutrient-rich environment, the eggs will hatch in, at most, five days. Tension hung in the air as we both dealt with the news in our own way. In five days... 200,000 worms were going to hatch in my brother's stomach and do God knows what. And there was nothing we could do about it but wait. When I looked over, I saw him wiping away a tear. I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've seen Jordan cry in my entire life. And yet he was crying now. I looked at Dr. Willows pleadingly. There has to be something we can do. In a dull monotone, Jordan piped up, saying, Did you not hear her? Unless you're a magician or something, we're not getting these things out. He sighed. All this because I had to have that stupid chili dog. We sat in silence for a moment. Suddenly, my head picked up. Wait, the chili dog? They both looked at me confused. I continued. You never finished eating the chili dog. It's still in the back seat. And, Jordan said, and it's probably still got the parasite inside. Dr. Willows, if we brought a sample of the parasite to the hospital, would you be able to do the surgery? Willows' his eyes brightened a bit, and she said, well, no promises, but yes, if we could determine the exact characteristics of the parasite, we may have a chance at killing it. Jordan turned to me, regaining some of the life in his eyes. 
Well, let's go get it, he said, hopping up. We practically ran to the car, people in the lobby giving us bad looks as we did. Once we got there, Jordan threw open the back door seat and started rummaging around. I watched as he did, saying, I can't wait to figure out what this thing is. Willows is going to be... This isn't right, he muttered, cutting me off. Before I could ask what was wrong, he showed me something incredibly strange. The half-eaten chili dog was filled with holes. They were scattered all over the hot dog like Swiss cheese and looked like tiny mole holes. I could tell it had been made by something very small. I told him to scooch over and soon we were both sitting in the back seat. I heard a scraping noise and looked over to see Jordan wiping chili off the rear window. There were bits of chili splattered all on the inside of the bag, and even some dripping from the ceiling. There was even more on the inside of the bag it had been kept in, like something had popped out. I asked Jordan to hold the coffee I'd been drinking and picked up the discarded bag. In one of the chili stains, I noticed a few tiny white balls. I shuddered in disgust as I confirmed my suspicion. They were eggs. Good thing they needed a host to hatch, right? The squeaking from Jordan wiping the rear window was grating my ears, so I told him to knock it off. What? he said. I thought that was you. My eyes widening, I whipped my head around to see the impossible thing crawling on the rear window. It was white and segmented like a tapeworm, but scuttled along the windshield with long, spider-like legs, making that horrible squeaking noise as it did. I opened my mouth to scream, but as I did, it jerked what I assumed to be a head at me and crawled in a spiral pattern. In an instant, it launched itself like a spring at my open mouth, white body squirming in the air. I jerked my head out of the way just as its wriggling white body flew past my face like a slimy missile. I pushed the car open and stumbled out of it, heart racing. As I slammed the door shut, I saw the worm's body fly at me through the open window. Arms flailing, I tripped backwards over the curb and landed on my back. This time the worm found its target, its sticky body hitting my stomach. Its hundreds of legs scuttled as it crawled toward my face at lightning speed. I smacked it, and it went out of sight. Before I could celebrate, I saw it scuttling up my arm, its arms tickling my skin in the worst way. In an instant, I felt its cold, slimy body on my face. Despite my attempts at holding it back, I let out a scream. Just as the creature was racing towards my open mouth, I heard Jordan's voice cry, Sorry, bro. And before I knew what was happening, I felt a splash of coffee hit me in the face, spraying the creature off me. Through squinted eyes, I saw Jordan smash the creature to bits. I would have sighed with relief if it didn't feel like my entire face was on fire. The coffee wasn't scalding or anything, but it definitely wasn't cold either. After I'd switched out my soaking shirt for a new one, we showed Dr. Willows what was left of the creature. Unfortunately, Jordan had smashed it to pieces and it wasn't much use. We tried showing her the eggs, but she said they'd been dead for hours. We were going to need fresher samples. Feeling defeated, I said, How are we going to find another one? And that's when Jordan said, 
What if we go back to the gas station? Well, after thinking about it, I remembered the bug that crawled across my shoe back at the gas station and recognized it as one of those creatures. If we could catch one of those things, we could bring it back to Willows. We've already dealt with them once. I'm sure we could easily do it again, right? Looks like we've got a new destination. I'm not crazy about going back there and facing those creatures again, but Jordan's only got four and a half days before the eggs in his stomach start hatching. I plan on letting you all know exactly how it goes down, so keep your eyes peeled. Part 2 The parasite that's been ravaging my brother's body has been getting stronger every second. Every medical textbook says that the symptoms he's experiencing shouldn't even be possible. Oh, a lot has happened in these past few days. I'll try to get down as much as I can before I run out of time. I need to go get Jordan out of some serious trouble soon, so I can only write so much. Anyways, oh, after the fight with a creature in my car, Jordan and I crashed at a hotel for the night. Holy crap, man, I said. How are we going to catch one of those things? From his bed, Jordan made a sound. What are you stressing for? It's just a little bug. It's easy for you to say. He wasn't trying to crawl down your throat. Well, that's not the worst place it could have crawled in, he said. I shuddered and said, well, We need weapons. Uncle Kevin's got a flamethrower. Way too overkill. That's like cutting a chicken with a chainsaw. He's got one of those, too. I gave him a look. He shrugged. <laughs> Just saying. We spent the next day driving around town looking for the weapons we needed. After quickly realizing that net launches were a little out of our price range, we wound up at Walmart looking for butterfly nets. Jordan and I were in the kids' toys section when Jordan began acting strangely. His skin was still a pale yellow and the lumps on his skin had grown to the size of pennies. Despite this, his mind didn't seem messed up, or at least not more than usual. He picked up an American Girl doll. Wow, Cindy will love this. I can't wait for us to get to the reunion. I raised an eyebrow at him. What? No, we have to skip it. You know, so we can catch one of those bugs and save you. He turned to me and I realized his right eye was bright red. I could see the network of veins running through its pink, glistening surface. He gave me a confused look and rubbed his right temple. Oh yeah, I guess I forgot. Are you feeling all right, Jordan? I asked him. He slowly shook his head. No, I've been getting headaches all day. This is the worst it's been. It goes away quickly. I just need a few minutes. I sent him to the bathroom to splash some water on his face in even though I knew it wouldn't do anything in the long run, well, whatever was in his stomach was messing with more than just his skin. I was looking for Tylenol when I noticed two white vans pulling into the parking lot. I watched on as two normal-looking guys walked out. The tall one pointed at something in the parking lot, and I realized it was my Toyota. I started heading for the bathroom so we could get out of Dodge, but I couldn't find the sign for it. I heard footsteps behind me and whipped around, thinking it was Jordan. It wasn't. Not Jordan, smiled at me and said, Hey buddy, do you mind if I talk to you for a quick second? 
Well, his phrasing made it seem optional, but the golden FBI badge around his neck told me it was not. Of course not. And you are? The guy was tall, but not that tall. His brown hair was formal, but not too formal. He seemed like a guy who could blend into pretty much any crowd without being noticed. The only thing even a little interesting about him was his pink dress shirt. I had no clue why, but he almost reminded me of my dad. My name is Agent Michael Falconer. The hospital called us when they couldn't identify what was plaguing your brother. <sighs> Great, so do you know what's wrong with him? His blue eyes lit up. Oh, not yet. We just need to clutch your brother and we can get started with our tests. I took a step back. Images of Jordan being dissected flashing through my mind. Collect. Where'd you be taking him? And just back to the CDC for observation. Will we be able to see each other at least? I asked. He gave me another look and put a hand on my shoulder. We'll hold him at the hospital for a day or so while we arrange his transportation. You can see him then, but after that, no more. I brushed his hand off of me. One more time, and then what? He's just your lab rat until that parasite kills him? He began talking to me like a dad, explaining to his son why he isn't allowed to eat crayons. We don't know anything about this infection. If your brother isn't contained, he'll continue to spread throughout the population. Well, guess what? I said, turning around and beginning to walk away. Constitution says you can't take him against his will. I was feeling like a badass when a strong arm grabbed me and spun me around. Well, guess what? Falconer said, smile nowhere in sight. The CDC says I can. Now I suggest you tell me where your brother is. Well, there was no way of getting out of this. There were laws against things like this, and this Falconer guy was wiping his ass with them. Oh, don't do this often, but I sent up a prayer for some way to get Jordan out of this. Falconer continued. Well, we know he's at the hotel on Pine Road. We just need the room number. Hallelujah. They didn't know he was in the store with me. It's uh, room seven, I said. And he took the bait. Falconer was just turning around to leave the aisle we were standing in, when to my horror, Jordan strolled into view. Oh, wait, I practically shouted. Falconer stopped and turned back to me, eyebrow raised skeptically. I just remembered Seven was actually my room, not Jordan's. He pulled out a phone. Uh, I wrote it down. Here, I'll, I'll check. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Jordan notice me and start walking toward us. I opened Messenger and started furiously typing. Just as Jordan was halfway to me and the Falconer, I hit send. Jordan froze and checked his phone. It said, Don't let him see you. A moment later, Jordan turned around and speed-walked back to where he'd come from as quickly as possible. Well, Falconer noticed me staring behind him, and turned around just as Jordan disappeared around the corner. There we go, I said. I guess it was actually room eight. After Falconer and his partner had left, I found Jordan hiding in one of those circular shirt racks. I explained the situation. As we finished our bug-hunting shopping spree, I wondered what sort of tests Falconer had in store for Jordan. 
Will they do the surgery to get the eggs out of his stomach? Maybe they wanted them to hatch, so they'd have more specimens to observe. Well, I decided to push that to the back of my mind. We had a monster to catch. We ended up checking out with a small flashlight, tennis racket, butterfly net and some bug spray. Uh, not as badass as I'd imagined, but it'd get the job done. The drive to the gas station was long and tense. My imagination was filled with terrible images of what was waiting for us. Our plan was to search around the back of the gas station for those creatures. If that didn't work, we'd have to start looking around the forest that surrounded the building. However, when we pulled up to the gas station, we realized something strange. Despite it being noon on a Wednesday, the lights were completely out. We made our approach, the building looming over us, the dirty glass door hanging slightly ajar. The interior was a wall of darkness. Hello? I called in. Jordan shouted, Hey, you guys open? I listened for a response, but all I heard was my own heartbeats pumping in my ears. After a few more moments of waiting, I raised my butterfly net and crept into the gas station. I remember the flashlight and flicked it on, a narrow cone of light cutting through the darkness. I was met with shelves and shelves of off-brand items. Aside from our footsteps, the building was completely silent. There wasn't even the hum of unseen pipes and heaters. I scanned the flashlight around the floor, looking for one of those creatures slithering across it. Oh, the thought of one of them sneaking up on me and launching its squirming body at me put a knot in my stomach. We eventually made it to the counter. I illuminated it with a flashlight, half expecting to see the cashier being munched on by those creatures. But it was empty. Jordan asked, Do you think he ran out when the crab hit the fan? I sure hope so, I muttered. One after the other, we searched each shelf. I caught a few glimpses of white squirming bodies glinting off the flashlight, but they always disappeared around corners before we could react. They're here, I said. Keep your eyes peeled. When there was no response from behind me, I noticed Jordan's footsteps had stopped. I turned around fast enough to give myself whiplash. Jordan's face wasn't covered in bugs as I expected. Instead, he was doubled over, clutching his head. Are you all right, Jordan? I asked. I'm fine, he said. Just inspecting the floor for clues. If the headache's too bad, we can try it again tomorrow. No, he said, straightening up. We both know it's just going to get worse from here. It's now or never. All right, let's get these things, I said, pumping my fist in the air. Jordan opened his mouth as if to say something, but froze. At first I thought the headache had turned out to be a precursor of a stroke or something, but then I saw where he was looking. When I pumped the air, the flashlight had pointed up like a triumphant torch into the night. I followed Jordan's gaze up to the panelled ceiling. My blood froze as dozens of tiny eyes stared back at me. The ceiling was crawling with them, having both the slick wriggling body of a tapeworm and the tiny legs of a centipede. They crawled over each other like bees in a hive. The instant the light touched them, they began making that sickening, squeaking noise we'd heard in the car. A mix between the chirp of a cicada and the squeak of a rat. 
They froze and began crawling into that familiar spiral pattern that signaled an attack. And Jordan voiced what I was thinking. Run! They began raining down on us, their white bodies flying through the air. One flew past my right ear, chirping the whole way and hitting the floor with a wet plop. Then another one hit my left foot and began scuttling up my leg. I whacked it with the net I suddenly remembered I had. Jordan and I, in our panic to escape the creatures, had run to the back corner of the store, on the opposite side from the door. It was a dead end and we were trapped with our backs literally up against the wall. I turned to find two of the centipede creatures jumping at me one after the other. One came inches from my face before I caught it in the net. The next one was coming from my neck and I smacked it across the room. To my right I saw three creatures coiled on the wall. They must have squirmed up there when I wasn't looking. Just as they prepared their attack, Jordan sprayed them with his surprisingly long-range bug spray. Have you caught one yet? Jordan shouted, swatting a bug with his tennis racket. Yeah, but how are we going to get out? He pointed. I saw an emergency exit this way. We'll just have to... Before he could finish, his face contorted into a mask of pain, and he grabbed his head once again. And a bug leapt at him from the wall. I swatted it away an instant before it hit his ear. Hey, stay with me. Let's go find that exit. He trembled with pain and barely managed to say, Maybe after a nap... Please, try to focus, I shouted, grabbing his hand. Come on, let's go. But before I could make it one step, he whirled on me, his right eye once again blood red, and shoved me back. It wasn't that hard, but it was the last thing I expected, and I stumbled backwards. I slipped on something squishy, probably a dead bug, then fell forward back over the counter. I slammed onto my head and nearly saw stars from the pain. Looking around, I soon realized that my head was the least of my concerns. I was level with those things, and the centipedes had wasted no time crawling all over my arms. Shrieking a few octaves higher than usual, I frantically pushed myself to my feet and threw off my jacket. I looked up and found Jordan gone. The beam of my flashlight found a red door marked basement hanging ajar. His bug spray lay there, thrown aside at the foot of the door, indicating he'd decided to make a detour. Well, I'll be honest, I almost just walked right out of there. Going into a dark, scary basement is about as safe as jumping into an active volcano. The death worms chirping behind me ultimately convinced me to make the descent. My steps creaked as I made my way down the wooden steps. My flashlight was all but useless down here, casting light about five feet in front of me. A few steps in, a particularly rotten board made a horrible cracking noise. Fearing it would snap, I drew my foot back and skipped over it. Eventually, the wooden creak of my footsteps turned to a wet squishing. Oh, I didn't know what I was stepping on, but, but I knew they were probably ruining my shoes. My fingers went to grab the hand railing and immediately recoiled. It was cold and slimy to the touch. I shone my light on it and almost gagged. The wooden railing was covered in eggs, just like the ones I'd found in the chili dog that Jordan had eaten. Except these ones were the size of gumballs. They were slightly translucent, and although I couldn't quite make out what was inside them, I had a pretty good guess. Finally, after an eternity of creaking boards, I finished my descent. 
I walked along the concrete, swept the beam of light across the room, already knowing what was to come, but dreading it all the same. The walls of the room were red brick, and on the cold concrete floor were even more eggs. There were hundreds of them, piled and stacked up to three feet high. They were anywhere from the size of a golf ball to the size of an orange. There in the middle of it all was Jordan. You owe me a pair of Converse, I said. No response. Using every drop of concentration I could muster, I carefully made my way across the floor, taking care to avoid every glistening monster egg. The egg clusters got denser the closer I got to the centre, and I had to walk on my toes for much of the time. The slime I'd gotten on my shoes made this difficult, and I nearly slipped several times. Eventually I navigated my way over to him. Once I was close enough, I used a special technique for getting people out of trances that totally wasn't just me smacking him in the back of the head. His head snapped up and he looked at me. His eye was pink, but no longer red. Where'd everyone go? He asked, dumbstruck. Where'd who go? He looked around, saying, We were back at the reunion. Everyone was there. Mom, Cindy, Uncle Kevin. You can tell me about that later, I said, interrupting him. Right now we have to get out of here without waking any of those things up. He blinked. Oh, if you say so. Now, listen carefully. Don't step on these things. I don't know what happens if you do, but... I don't want to f The sound came from behind me. I turned to find Jordan frozen mid-step, foot planted on a cluster of eggs. What the hell are you doing? I screamed. Oh, wait, you meant the eggs? He asked. I was in the middle of asking what else I would have meant when the eggs under his foot began to quiver. My eyes widened as I swept the light around the room. It had triggered a chain reaction, and soon every egg in the room was twitching and shaking. Suddenly, a cluster of eggs in the back corner exploded, splattering goo everywhere. Centipedes the size of baby snakes burst out in every direction. Well, that sure as hell broke me out of my trance, and I spun on my heel. Jordan did the same, and soon we were running full tilt at the wooden staircase in the far corner of the room. I heard more of those gooey explosions behind me. Like some messed up game of dominoes. The eggs were triggering their neighbours, creating a tsunami of twitching, chirping centipedes that were gaining on us with every second. We were about to reach the stairs when a cluster of eggs in front of us splattered to life, releasing its slimy residents into the world. Jordan went left around it and I went right. I was almost around when something landed in my hair. Slimy, cold, legs the size of my fingers scuttled through my hair. My heart skipped a beat, and for a moment my soul almost left my body. You got a little something in your hair, Jordan yelled, swinging a tennis racket through the air. The creature went flying, and I shuddered at the thought of what it wanted to do to me. We finally reached the steps and raced up three at a time, arms pumping furiously. As we did, the unnatural chirping of the hundreds of creatures nearly deafened us. Five feet away from the exit, I remember the rotten step from earlier. But I was a second too late. I plunged through the rotting wood. Leg dangling, I turned around. 
My eyes were met with a wave of twitching, slimy bodies rounding the corner and rushing up the stairs. Just as the flood of creatures was moments from reaching me, Jordan thrust his tennis racket in front of my face. I latched onto it, and he pulled me out of the stairwell and back into the gas station. The second I was out, Jordan slammed the door shut. There was a booming thud as the insects crashed into the door, and for a few moments Jordan and I just stared, waiting for it to burst open. After a few horrible seconds, I let out a breath that I didn't know I was even holding in. We were done. The bug in my net was still there, trying to squirm free of its stringy prison. We just stood there, in the gas station for a few moments, processing what had just happened. Wow, I said. Remind me to get the dorm sprayed down. Suddenly Jordan had me wrapped in an embrace. Caught off guard, I took a step back. Thanks, man, he said. Are you about to try and lay eggs in my head or something? No. Really, he said. I would have been bug food if you hadn't got me out of there. I hugged him back. Oh, come on, Mom would have killed me if I let you get eaten. He let go, suddenly. Um, did you call the cops? He asked. No. Why? I turned around to see red and blue lights filling the gas station. No less than three cop cars filled the parking lot. What's going on? He asked. I pointed at the familiar white van that was pulling up right in front of us. Ah, oh, he finally found us. And out of the van, clad in that stupid pink dress shirt, stood Michael freaking Falconer. He smiled at me, but not the pleasant kind of smile. It was the way a wolf might smile when it catches a rabbit. Sorry, buddy, he said without an ounce of sympathy. Say goodbye to your brother. And with that, three of the policemen walked up and dragged Jordan, kicking and screaming, into the white van. I screamed and shouted for them to let go, but before I knew it, the cars were gone and I was alone. Well, the dorm's been pretty quiet here without Jordan. There's no one to hog the TV or leave wet towels on the bathroom floor. A week ago that would have sounded like a blessing to me, but now that he's actually gone, I feel awful. During these past few days done a lot of thinking, and I may have gotten an idea. Well, if it works, John will be back home by lunch. But if not, a lot of people might die. Well, if I survive this, you'll hear from me within the next few days, across my heart. If not, then I guess you can assume the worst. I hope heaven has Wi-Fi. All right, wish me luck. Part 3 I never thought eating a chili dog would land my brother in the CDC. Well, these past few days have been some of the most stressful in my life. I uh, better just get into it. After the FBI brother napped Jordan to use him as a lab rat, I went back to my dorm to feel sorry for myself. The entire morning was spent eating a family-sized Cheetos and watching Netflix. Falconer had said today was the last time I'd be able to see Jordan before they take him back to the CDC for testing. That's what they said it was for, but, well, I have my doubts. They could put a bull in his head the second I left, and I would never even know. I had a wad of Cheetos halfway in my mouth when I got the idea. 
Faulkner told me over the phone that we were allowed to pack a bag of belongings to take with him. I could use that to my advantage, but I'd have to be quick. I stopped by Walmart to pick up some very important items, before shoving them in a red suitcase and heading to the facility to see Jordan. It seemed very, very normal. It was just a nondescript white brick building without anything eye-catching about it at all. Looking back, I guess that was the point. As I walked in my suitcase, wheeling behind me, I was met with white walls and fluorescent lights. In the lobby, I saw two people who I immediately recognized. My mother and Agent Falconer stood there arguing, my mother's face streaming with tears. Falconer's a mask of fake sympathy. I'll press charges, she screamed. You can't hold my boy in there like some sort of animal. I completely understand why you're upset, ma'am. Your son is considered highly contagious and is a threat to the public. We can't allow him to leave until we understand the exact characteristics of his disease. When my mum noticed me, she wrapped me in an embrace so tight I think she cracked a rib. Tell him, Jay, she said. Tell him he can't take Jordan. I'm sorry, Falconer said. There's nothing to be done. Jordan is scheduled to leave for the CDC in an hour or so. If Jay wants to see his brother, it has to be now. Mr. Weaver will escort you out. A blonde man walked up to my mum. Let's go, ma'am, he said curtly. I turned to my mum's tear-streaked face. She looked like she hadn't slept in a week, and the sight of it broke my heart. Don't worry, I said quietly. I'll make them see reason. She nodded, and the man walked her out. Falconer silently led me through a hallway his usual pink dress shirt contrasting the white walls. We made our way to a white wall, and he turned around, staring me down. Yeah, fifteen minutes. No questions relating to his experiences here. I braced myself for what I might see, and pushed open the door. There, sitting on a makeshift hospital bed, was Jordan. The room was large and clean, however the lack of windows made it seem very claustrophobic. When my eyes finally fell on Jordan... I was taken aback. His skin was almost completely yellow now, huge clusters of bumps scattered all over his skin. He was unshaven and the weather look in his eyes made him seem like someone twice his age. Hey buddy, I said. How are you holding up? Well, you know, can't complain. Food's pretty good. That is, if they feed you at all. They didn't feed you, I said, hands bawling into fists. Not since yesterday. He said with a cough. <laughs> they wanted to observe the parasites. Their reaction or something. Jesus Christ, I said. This can't be legal. Anything else? Jordan looked down at his feet. Yeah, he said quietly. They kept asking me about my eye. Your eye? Yeah, they asked if it's been throbbing. I denied it, but it reminded me of what happened yesterday at Walmart. Or when you attacked me at the gas station. Yeah, he said. Sorry about that, by the way. I don't even remember it. It's like I blacked out or something. Whatever it is, it's very interesting to Faulkner and his team. I lowered my voice. Well, don't worry, buddy. I'm getting you out of here. Whatever you do, don't let Faulkner open that suitcase. Once we... Just then, Faulkner opened the door and walked in. Now what did I just say, guys? He said, trying and failing to mask his annoyance. That information about your eye is classified. I think I'll just stay here for the rest of your visit. 
He showed no indication that he'd heard what I said. Thankfully, I told Jordan the most important part. If Falconer saw what was in the suitcase, it would ruin everything. Falconer struck down almost every question I tried to ask Jordan, and in the end, we were restricted to talking about sports and music. I was only half paying attention to the conversation, though. In my mind, I was amping myself up for what I had to do. Hopefully, Falconer didn't notice the sweat running down my face, or the slight tremor in my hands. After a few minutes of hyping myself up, I realized I was wasting precious time and went for it. I asked Falconer if I could go to the bathroom. Of course, he said. He was smiling, but I noticed his eyes slightly narrowed. He was suspicious of me, but couldn't quite figure out why. The blonde man from before, I think his name was Weaver, walked me to the bathroom, eyeing me the way a zookeeper does a lion. I got the impression if I made one wrong move, he'd have a gun trained on me in an instant. Does the FBI even carry guns? Well, I always thought they had lasers or something. Uh, either way, the closer we got, the more nervous I became. What if Faulkner searched the suitcase while I was gone? The second I shut the door, I took a deep breath and began my work. I tore out tons of paper towels and began throwing them into the trash can. Next, I grabbed a little bottle of hand sanitizer from my pocket and dumped it into the bin. Kindling. Check. Fuel. Check. The last thing I did was pull out a Marlboro, light it, and toss it into the trash. A giant flame didn't burst to life in the bin. Instead, it just began to smolder, producing thin wisps of smoke that snaked their way up toward the ceiling. Phase one of Jay's genius master plan was complete. I exited the bathroom and greeted Weaver. The entire walk back was nerve-wracking. What if he smelled the smoke on me? What if Falconer had opened the suitcase and was waiting for me with handcuffs? What if they had cameras in the bathroom? Well, maybe not that last one. Pretty sure that's illegal and gross. When I returned to his room, Jordan immediately knew something was different. I didn't know what I did, but he knew I'd done something. The plan was to wait for the smoke to trigger a fire alarm and then run out in the confusion. The only problem was that I had no clue how long it would take for that to happen. If it took too long, someone would smell the smoke and I'd be busted. I continued talking to Jordan, but only to stall. The fire alarm wasn't going off for some reason. All right, son, Falconer said. Time's up. Oh, just five more minutes, please, I pleaded. Ah, you said that five minutes ago, he replied. Falconer stood up and led us both out of the room. Weaver began leading Jordan away and I realized I had no other choice. Well, although I knew Plan B was incredibly dangerous for everyone, Falconer had given me no other choice. Sorry, son, Falconer said. You're going to have to say goodbye to you. Suddenly, an ear-splitting beeping rang out, forcing Falconer to clap his hands over his ears. Jordan looked around in confusion, but when he saw the poorly hidden glee on my face, he realized that this was our time to go. People poured out of every door and down the hall like a flood. Within seconds, the hallway was filled with dozens of black suits and white lab coats, obscuring my view of Jordan and Falconer. I navigated through the forest of bodies, fire alarms screeching in my ear. Suddenly, a hand grabbed my shoulder. I turned to find Jordan.
I can't believe you started a freaking fire, he said. I shrugged. Ah, what else are brothers for? Now let's get out of here before Falconer wises up. We weaved through the scientists until we found an empty hallway. We went down it, turned a corner, and were soon out of sight. I saw a big red emergency exit door and headed there. As we approached the door, he said, So, what's the world like now? Do you guys have flying cars yet? Dude, you've only been in there for a day. Oh, man. So you're saying there aren't any robot servants at the dorm? Nope, I said. And you're not going back to the dorm. You're staying with Uncle Kevin. No way. That guy's not right. Remember when he brought squirrel meat to a cookout? Okay, first of all, it wasn't that bad. Second, I can't let you lead them to me. What if they have a GPS tracker up your butt or something? I promise they don't. You can check if you... Jordan never finished his sentence. We were seconds from reaching the exit when Falconer stepped in front of us. His face was twisted into a look of rage and sweat was pouring down his face. What do you two think you're doing? both took a step back, neither of us offering up an answer. He pointed a finger at me. I knew the timing of all this was convenient. You started the fire, didn't you? I shook my head quickly. He gave me a sickening smile and said, Oh yeah, so if I look in that suitcase, I won't find anything suspicious. Again, I shook my head. Give it to me, he said, holding his hand out. I reluctantly gave it to him as Jordan stared at the bag with a look of defeat. As Falconer fumbled with the zipper, he said, What a stupid plan you two had. Did you think we'd just let you walk out? Oh, come on, I said. It's not like I didn't have a plan B. Falconer unzipped the bag, revealing a few neatly folded shirts and pairs of pants. He flashed me another smile, oozing with pride. Oh, and what might that be? I nodded at the suitcase. Oh, you're holding it. Suddenly, out from the suitcase burst a blur of scuttling legs and antenna. Falconer's eyes widened to saucers and let out a terrified shriek as three black centipedes crawled out all over him, each the size of my arm and twice as long. Right, that's our cue, I shouted, turning on my heels and bolting in the other direction. Jordan followed my lead and we ran back the way we'd come. Falconer's screams echoed behind us as we flew through the halls. Hey, Einstein, Jordan shouted, looking behind us. Looks like one of your little friends is after the wrong person. Well, I followed his gaze and sure enough, one of the creatures was crawling on the ceiling about ten feet behind him and was rapidly closing the distance. The scuttling of its tiny legs almost sounded like typing on a keyboard, and the sight of his black, bulbous eyes made me stutter. Suddenly it leaped at Jordan, pincers opening and closing in anticipation of its next meal. I shouted a warning, and before it had a chance to sink its teeth into the back of his head, he ducked out of the way. It flew over him and landed on its back directly in front of him with a heavy thud. Its spider-like legs kicked above it as it tried to wriggle back to its feet. No time to turn. He mustered his strength and jumped. He'd almost cleared the creature when it scuttled to its feet and grabbed onto his right leg. It wasted no time crawling up his leg and coiling around his torso. Oh, the insect lunged at his neck, no doubt looking to tear out a nice meaty chunk, but he grabbed its head. 
As he wrestled with the thing, he noticed me staring at him, dumbstruck. Do something! he screamed. Bad centipede. Get off Jordan. Right now. Do something useful! I took a deep breath and grabbed the creature's squirming body. I planted my feet and began pulling with all my might. Just then I heard footsteps walking down the hallway. Boys! I heard Falconer scream. His voice was raspy from all the screaming he'd done, and it was dripping with rage. Don't make me look for you. It'll only make it worse. He'd turn the corner any second and see us. I opened a random door and shoved Jordan inside, centipede and all. I quietly shut the door and turned back to Jordan. The giant bug was currently wrapped around his arm and snapping at him any chance it could. Boys! Falconer screamed again, voice muffled from the closed door between us. I'm not messing around anymore. As he slowly stomped closer, I heard a click that was unmistakable, even through the door. It was the cocking of a pistol. You better come out right this second, he screamed, or you're going to have a real bad time. Was that a gun? I whispered. I think so, Jordan said, and he's going to hear us in about five seconds if we don't get this thing under control. He was right. Falconer was moments away from passing the door, and Jordan's fight with the centipede was still way too loud. I grabbed the head of the creature and began pulling it away, uncoiling it as I did. Jordan held the tail end of it, nearly slipping and letting go due to the grey slime that was coating it from head to toe. Once completely uncoiled, the centipede was almost six feet long. His body twitched and convulsed in the air, but was harmless for the most part. I was hugging the head to my chest in an attempt to immobilize it. Its terrible insect face was so close to mine I could see the thousands of tiny hexagons that made up its eyes. I held my breath as I heard footsteps approach. The creature made a lunge at my neck and I had to grip my teeth to keep from shrieking. Hold still, Jordan whispered. That's easy for you to say. You only have to hold the tail. Just then... The footsteps abruptly stopped. My heart froze in my chest, and I stared at the door waiting for Falconer to burst in. Oh, the second stretched into infinity as we stood there with bated breath. Just when I couldn't take it much longer, the footsteps started again and faded into the distance. After we were sure he was gone, I released my breath and said, I think it's safe. Suddenly, while my guard was down, the creature made a violent thrash and squirmed out of my hands. It landed on the floor and pulled its tail free of Jordan's grasp. But instead of making a lunge at me, it just made its sickening chirping noise and crawled away. It half climbed, half slithered up the wall, pried off a vent with its pincers, and disappeared into the dark tunnel. Hmm, I said. I guess it's had enough excitement for one day. This is it. Jordan said from behind me. He was holding a file with a strange symbol on it. It was the infinity symbol inside of an upside-down triangle. This is one of the folders they were always writing in. Do you think it has information on what's wrong with me? Just then I heard Falconer's voice echoing down the hall, too far away to distinguish specific words. How about we take a look at it when an FBI agent isn't hunting us? He grabbed the file and we began making our way to the door. I slowly opened the door back up and poked my head out. 
Jordan poked his head out just above mine, like we were in a damn Scooby-Doo cartoon. Once we confirmed Falconer was gone, we ventured into the desolate hallway, making sure to stay silent. We slowly made our way down the hallway, stopping every so often to look around like rabbits in the forest. We'd been dealing with those insects for the past two days, but now we had a human to deal with too. We eventually escaped the labyrinth of hallways and stepped into another hallway. We approached the glass door and looked out at the empty parking lot. The staff must be at back of the building, I said quietly. We have to get out before the fire trucks get here. Jordan threw open the glass door and made a run for it. I stayed back for another moment to check the surroundings. When I was sure it was safe, I opened the door only to be violently yanked back by the collar of my shirt. I was thrown backward and fell on the ground painfully. The fake smile Falconer usually wore had been stripped away to reveal pure malice. His hair was messy and his trademark pink dress shirt was now torn and tattered. You, he screamed, you almost killed me. Do you think I'd just sit there and let you kidnap my brother? I shouted, pushing myself to my feet. My head exploded in pain and I fell back down. I touched my head and my fingers came away bloody. Looking up, I saw that he'd hit me with the butt of his pistol. We had to, he screamed at me. We need him because he's the only one who can stop what's coming. What are you talking about? It's classified, he said quietly. Who else knows about the bugs? It's just me and Jordan. We'd sound crazy if we told anyone. Good, he said, cocking his gun. That makes things simpler. My blood turned to ice and I suddenly realized I was never meant to leave this room. I raised my trembling hands at him, saying, Hey man, look, you don't have to do this. My lips are sealed, I swear. Sorry, buddy, he said, raising the gun. But that's just not good enough. I squeezed my eyes shut and prepared myself for whatever I might find on the other side. At that moment, the only thing I could do was hope that he didn't catch Jordan. A deafening bang rang out and my heart seized in my chest. I opened my eyes and looked down at my body. An existential wave of relief flooded my entire self as I realized there wasn't a speck of blood on me. I looked up to see Falconer standing over me, his face contorted into one of shock. In the center of his chest, a red flower was beginning to blossom. He collapsed onto the ground like a falling statue, gun clattering to the floor. Behind him stood two men clad in black police uniforms. Jordan lingered behind them, face as pale as a ghost. You okay, son? One asked, rushing to my side. Did he hurt you? I shook my head, slowly. My mind was freezing up, the reality of what had just happened finally sinking in. The cop tried leading me away, but something grabbed my leg. I reeled around, expecting to find a centipede nibbling at my foot, but it was a hand. The hand of Falconer. He sputtered and gargled on his own blood. I tried to pull away, but he gripped me with surprising strength. He inhaled a hitching breath and tried one more time to form words. It was almost entirely unintelligible, but I did make out one word. Omega. Before he could say any more, paramedics loaded him onto a stretcher and began hauling him away. Even as they carried him toward the ambulance, he never broke eye contact with me. The cops took our statement and asked some questions. 
Once they were satisfied, they sent us back to the car. We walked back to our car in a daze. <sighs> We'd done it. Soon I was behind the wheel, houses passing by on either side. My phone suddenly began screaming. Jordan had set the ringer to an audio clip of him shouting, Pick up your goddamn phone! And I never figured out how to change it back. Hello? Hello, dear, came a female voice. This is Dr. Willows. I snapped to attention. Although the FBI had gotten Jordan, yesterday hadn't been a complete waste. I'd still caught one of those centipede creatures, and I'd turned it into the hospital for study. As I climbed into the car, I asked, um, Have you been able to study the sample? Do you know what it is? Our research is inconclusive about the exact species. We suspect it's a mutation of Ascaris lumbrocryidis. My spirit sank. They still had no idea what this thing was. However, despite this, we feel confident we can extract the eggs from your brother's stomach before they hatch. The sample you brought in provided helpful insights on the nature of the parasite. You scheduled for a specialist from a different district to perform the surgery on Saturday. That's two days from now. I couldn't believe it. We were approaching the finishing line. Jordan was close to being cured. I turned to Jordan, who was now in the passenger seat of my car. It's Willows, I said excitedly. She says they can get the eggs out. We're almost done with this nonsense. Jordan just stared out the window. I raised an eyebrow at him. What? You can't hear? I said we can get those eggs out of your stomach. Jordan continued staring out of his window. I don't know, man, he said dreamily. Maybe we should let them hatch. I've always wanted to be a dad. I just stared at him, perplexed. Hmm, I said. You're not serious, right? He whipped around to look at me, and in an instant, it was completely clear what was wrong with him. His right eye wasn't just red. It was bleeding. It was so startling I nearly swerved off the road. So what if I am? He screamed at me. Those eggs never hurt anyone. Well, he was breathing heavily now. His eyes were those of some kind of crazed lunatic, not my brother. Okay, listen, I said. You're not yourself right now. If those eggs hatch, you might get seriously hurt. Think about how Mum and I would feel if that happened. Think about your family. Jordan broke off eye contact with me and looked down at his feet. Family, he said, as if he'd never heard the word before. Yeah, I said, family. He looked back up at me. His eyes had turned to burning coals of rage. My real family lives underneath the gas station, he screamed, grabbing me by the neck with both hands. I let go of the steering wheel and tried to pry his hands from my throat. My world shifted to the side as the car swerved to the left. Out of the corner of my eye, we were drifting into oncoming traffic, Moments away from hitting a grey Cadillac, when I grabbed the wheel and yanked it to the side. Again the car swerved and soon it was barreling off to the side of the road and into a field. Suddenly, pain exploded into my head and everything went black. Hours later, I slowly came to. Looking around, I came to the realisation that my car had crashed into a telephone pole. The passenger seat was empty and the door was hanging ajar. I noticed something lying on the floor. It was the folder Jordan had stolen from the FBI research facility. 
Now I'm sitting at home with a bandage around my head. Won't do anything for the concussion I probably experienced, but I think I have bigger problems to deal with. The parasite that's inside my brother is craftier than I thought. Whatever it is, it's taken a hold of his mind, and I don't know how to stop it. I thought getting Jordan back would be the end of our problems. But now, I know, it's just the beginning. Part 4 oh, If you told me all this would happen five days ago, I wouldn't have believed you. That's the thing about disasters, though. It all comes down to luck. At the end of the day, my brother was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. That being said, if I'd handled the situation a bit more responsibly, maybe it would have turned out different. You'll remember that Jordan's mind had been almost completely taken over by the parasite. After making me crash my car, he ran out to do God knows what to God knows who. The surgery to remove the parasite from him was set to be done at 11 the next day, so the clock was ticking. Luckily, Jordan left me a goldmine of information in the form of the folder we stole from the FBI. I stayed up all night poring over the documents from the folder. Slogging through all the nerd speak wasn't fun, but I think I've got the gist of it. The first thing I searched for was the name of the organization Falconer worked for. The last thing he told me before he died was the word Omega, so that was my first guess, but it turned out not to be the case. I couldn't find the real name, but its code name seems to be the Sapona Project. Each document was marked with a golden spiderweb, so I guess it's their symbol. The earliest documents all relate to the 2013 Ebola outbreak, so I believe that's what they were originally created for. No, they didn't create Ebola. Or something dumb like that. They were just trying to ensure it wasn't a form of biological warfare. Once they confirmed it wasn't, they took on a more preventative role, trying to find new diseases and contain them before they got out of hand. After I'd looked at that, I found a section for lab reports. There was only one for the day Jordan was taken, so I'm fairly sure it was about him. I found a summary of the experiment and will copy it below. Experiment C-27. Effects of Ascaropoda on the nervous system. Abstract. Although our knowledge of this parasite is limited, it's generally understood that within three to four days of ingesting it, the parasite begins to take hold of the host's nervous system, effectively hijacking the brain. The parasite leaves higher-level brain function relatively undamaged, keeping personality and memories intact. Although 41 different compounds were tested, the only compound that reversed the effects was lavandulyl acetate. I said lavandulyl acetate about 20 times so I could remember it. I had no clue what it was, but I had an idea of where to find it. The next day I climbed back into my Toyota and went back to the FBI research center Jordan was being held at. The parking lot was deserted. My guess is that the head agent pulling a gun on an unarmed college student made Uncle Sam rethink its funding went around back and busted open a window. Trying hard not to impale myself on broken glass, I climbed in and landed in an empty room. It looked like it had been left in a hurry. There were papers and equipment left behind on the counters. As I made my way to the door, the only sound I heard was that of my own footsteps. 
The door moaned as I pushed it open and looked into the dark, empty hallway. The only light was trickling in from the room I'd just entered. The thought of leaving the safety of my room made a pang of fear radiate through my stomach. I felt as if something was crouching out there, patiently waiting for me to walk out and let my guard down. This is silly, I thought. Falconer's dead. Everyone's gone. I'm safe. After a few moments of deep breaths, I pushed the fear into the back of my mind and stepped out. My fingers probed the darkness, looking for a doorknob, but all they met was more wall. I was slowly shuffling forward when I heard a skittering behind me. My head snapped around, but I was met with a wall of impenetrable darkness. I listened closely, but all I could hear were my own rapid breaths. No, I thought. That's not right. I listened more carefully. My heart sank as I confirmed my suspicions. There was another person breathing, and they were right behind me. I instinctively ducked just as something big and heavy was swung above me, missing my head by an inch. I turned round to find a fire extinguisher, already swinging it a second time. I grabbed the hydrant and began trying to wrench it from him. Hey, chill man, I said. You don't know what you're doing. Jordan used his free hand to land a punch to my stomach that sent me stumbling back, gasping for air. Sure I do, he said, winding up for another swing. I'm kicking your ass. <laughs> Awfully chatty for a zombie, I thought. I ducked beneath the swing and grabbed him by the collar, the fire extinguisher clattering to the floor. He kneed me in the gut and I flew back, doubling over. Then he lunged at me probably to kick me square in the head, but I grabbed the fallen fire extinguisher and swung it up at him. It missed, but it kept him off of me. Ah, oh, swing and a miss, he said. You always did suck at baseball. You're right, I growled, kicking him in the stomach. I've always been more of a soccer person. He fell to his knees, sputtering and coughing. I raised the fire hydrant over my head, preparing to end this. If it didn't knock him out, it would at least debilitate him. Wait, wait, he screamed, looking up at me from the ground. Please don't do it. It's me, man. Despite knowing he was 110% lying, I still couldn't bring myself to do it. When I looked into his face, I didn't see some terrifying parasitic nightmare. I saw my brother. In that way, it made him worse than a zombie. This is silly. I thought. You'll be doing him a favor. Just do it, you idiot. I swung the fire hydrant down at his head, but before it could connect, my legs were swiped from under me. I crashed to the ground, and again the fire hydrant clattered on the tile floor. The parasite smirked at me with Jordan's face, that terrible bloody eye glinting in the low light. Too slow, it growled. He slowly rose to his feet, that unhinged smile never leaving his face. Out of options, I turned and ran. I sped down the corridor and ducked into one of the doors, locking it behind me. If I could just find that compound from the lab report, I'd be able to cure him just in time for the surgery. As he approached, I heard the stomping of oncoming footsteps. 
I was opening every drawer and cabinet when I found a stash of plastic cases. Skimming them quickly, I found one marked Experiment C-27, Anti-Parasitics. Yes, I whispered, setting it on the desk and opening it like a briefcase. The white plastic container held syringes of all types. I squeezed my eyes shut and tried to remember the name. Lavandula Acetate. I began searching for it, but my heart quickly sank. They'd all been labelled with code words. They were labelled anything from Nova to Goldilocks. Without any way of knowing which was which, I was doomed. I heard the crash of splintering wood as Jordan kicked open the door. His eyes were wild and his hair looked like a rat's nest. As he rushed at me, I threw one last glance at the counter. And that's when I saw it. Sitting there on the counter was a syringe with the label Omega. I grabbed it and just as Jordan grabbed me, I jammed it into his neck. Within minutes his eyes had lost their fire and he started wiping blood from his eye. Dude, he said, I had the craziest dream. Did it involve you beating the crap out of me? Yeah, actually, it did. How did you... He looked up at me, all bruised and cut up. Not a dream? He asked. Not a dream, I said. Uh, he apologized for about five minutes straight, despite me insisting it wasn't his fault. What day is it? He asked. I suddenly realized something and checked my watch. Oh, it's time for you to have your surgery, I shouted. You're about to have this parasite out of you for good. How long before that stuff you injected me with wears off? He asked. About an hour, but you'll be sedated by then. I drove him to the hospital, doing about twenty over the speed limit. When I didn't get out of the car to follow him, he looked at me funny. What? You got a date or something? He said. No, I said. I'm going back to that gas station. I need to burn it down. What? Why? I've been thinking, I said. Agent Falconer told me something was coming. That basement is still filled with those bug creatures, and if they keep growing bigger and bigger, they'll eventually bust out. Jordan's eyes widened as he put it together. They could infect the whole town in a matter of days, maybe hours. I nodded. I have to go destroy it before it happens. Text me when they're about to start. We parted ways and I made one final stop at Walmart. I pulled up to the gas station with a huge red gas can. It was still abandoned and dark. A chill went up my spine the second I saw the basement door. When I put my ear to it, I could hear scratching and scuttling. I was running out of time. I quickly began splashing the interior with gasoline and within 20 minutes the entire place was full of that acrid stench. But before I burnt it down, I washed the gasoline off my hands in the bathroom. I checked my phone. Still no text from Jordan. It's been two hours. Shouldn't they have started by now? I thought. I exited the bathroom and navigated through the dark gas station to a window. I looked out of the deserted parking lot. No. That wasn't right. There was another car there. 
had it been there when I got here? There was a trail of something leading from the car to the door, and through the gas station. I shivered. It was beginning to blend with the gasoline, but it was unmistakable. It was blood. Miss me, came a voice from behind me. I turned just in time to get kicked square in the chest. I flew back into a shelf of candy and it toppled over. Jordan stepped into view, wearing a blue hospital gown. It was streaked with something dark, but it didn't take a genius to figure out what it was. Through the pain in my chest and back, all I could get out was, How'd you get out of the hospital? He shrugged. Let's just say I had some help. Now it's time to release my little friends. <laughs> They're not your friends, I coughed. That's where you're wrong, bro. You'll understand once they make you like me. Like him? I shuddered. He walked over to the basement door, and even from there I could hear the insects inside buzzing and chirping and crawling. Well, the world's about to get a whole lot more interesting, he said. The only thing that separated us from that dank world of scuttling, creeping monstrosities was a flimsy basement door, and he was about to destroy it. No, I screamed, jumping to my feet. As he raised his foot to kick the door down, I tackled him. I was raising my fist when I felt pain shoot up my arm. Something was tearing into my right forearm. I looked down and found one of the gigantic centipede creatures ripping into my arm with its pincers. I then realized its body was coiled around Jordan's arm. I leapt back in disgust. What's going on? I squinted at him in the darkness and realized he was crawling with the creatures. Three centipedes the size of snakes scuttled over his body. Oh, he said, smirking. I guess you met my pet patted one of the insects on the head. Who's a good boy? You're sick, I screamed. He reared back and punched me in the throat. I grabbed my neck, struggling for air. Yeah, but at least I'm winning. He sent me sprawling with a devastating uppercut. I really ought to thank you, he said, laughing a little too hard. These little guys burst in through the windows and saved me from the hospital. You really should have seen them. They shredded through all those surgeons in seconds. You're insane, I screamed. Funny, he said, grabbing me and slamming me against the wall. That's what all the surgeons said. How'd they get out of the basement? I screamed. You tell me, he said. You were the one who let them out. My blood turned to ice as I put it all together. I'd used those creatures on Falconer while trying to save Jordan. They must have tracked him to the hospital, burst through the windows and... Oh, God, I moaned. What did I do? As he pressed me to the wall, one of the centipedes crawled around my arm and began digging its mandibles into the flesh of my stomach. I collapsed to the floor, writhing in pain. Don't worry, bro, he said. You'll feel much better soon. I watched from the floor as he walked over to the basement door for the second time. He raised his foot and kicked the door. It held firm. As he raised his foot again, 
I pushed myself up and began to climb onto one of the nearby shelves of candy. Then, with a sickening crack, Jordan kicked the door again. This time it buzzed wide open, spilling its tidal wave of black, twitching legs and slimy bodies in all directions. Just as the wave of insects was about to hit me, I pulled my leg up onto the shelf. The roar of insects was deafening. Despite its size, the three-foot-high mass of chirping monstrosities couldn't seem to get through the windows and locked door. The relief I felt when I realized this was indescribable. Jordan turned to me, wading through the insects like it was a kiddie pool. He seemed a little pissed that I wasn't full of monster eggs, but he kept his composure. Oh, he said, beginning to climb up onto a shelf of his own. I can play the floor is lava too. Please, Jordan, I said, come back to your senses. He hopped to the shelf I was standing on and lunged at me. As he did, the centipedes crawling all over his body opened their pincers hungrily. I inhaled and pulled all my energy into jumping back onto the shelf behind me. The shelf wobbled dangerously, but didn't fall. Ah, oh, come on, he said. I thought we were on the same side. You've helped me so much. I took a step back. My foot landed on a box of Cheerios and almost slipped out from underneath me. Arms waving frantically, I regained my balance, but just barely. I couldn't help but notice how quickly the box of Cheerios was shredded. Oh, that's a lie, I said. I've never helped you. Again he hopped onto the shelf I was standing on. Oh, don't be modest, he said, grinning. If it weren't for you, I'd be trapped at the CDC and probably be getting ripped out of your brother's head. But now, I'm here doing all this. He made a broad sweeping motion, gesturing at the insects swarming the floor. A dark cloud settled over me as the realization of what I'd done sunk in. I'd discovered the most deadly virus known to man, and when the authorities tried to contain it, I'd used it against them. In 24 hours, hundreds, if not thousands of people were going to be eaten alive or worse. And all their blood would be on my hands. He planted a firm kick to my stomach and was flung backward. While stumbling back, my foot hit open air instead of something solid. I almost went sailing into the black twitching abyss. Soon, he said, walking toward me. That glass door will crack and this whole world will get a makeover. I looked at my bloody arms and the gaping wound on my stomach. I didn't have any more fight left in me. There was no way for me to win. Unless, I thought, what if I'm not supposed to? The corner of my mouth turned up. Jordan's smile faltered. What is this? he asked. Some kind of psychotic break? I pulled out a Marlboro and lit it. Jordan's eyes widened, and he grabbed me by the collar. Just wait, wait for just a second, Jordan said. He doubled over and grabbed his head. After a few seconds of rapid breathing, he gasped and looked up. Jay, he said, looking around. What's happening, man? I just stared at him for a moment, took a drag from the cigarette, and began raising it over the ocean of skittering bugs below. Hey, he said, 
What are you doing, Jay? Please, don't do it, Jay. P please. Oh, we spread this thing every chance we got. And now it's time to end it. I dropped the cigarette. It ignited on impact and the fire spread like a blooming red flower, consuming everything it touched. The insects squealed and shrieked as the gasoline they'd been crawling around in began to erupt. Within seconds, the ground looked like a squirming, pulsating inferno. The thing wearing Jordan's body grabbed its head and let out an inhuman screech that I'd never heard him make in all my life. Before I knew it, he stumbled backward and disappeared over the edge into the fire pit below. Well, I'm still sitting on the shelf, feet dangling over the flames beneath. My skin is beginning to sting and my lungs are burning from the smoke, but... That's okay. I made a lot of mistakes since this whole ordeal started. Mistakes that have gotten people killed. I can't bring any of those people back, but at least I can stop more from getting hurt. Even so, there's one thing that bothers me. There's one question I meant to ask Jordan ever since we got into this mess. Well, despite how important it was, we were usually too busy fleeing danger or fighting unholy abominations for me to ask. Was it at least a good chili dog? God, I hope so. Well, I guess I'll get my chance to ask him real soon. So I would admit it, you thought that was going to be about some crazy um, gas station with dodgy hot dogs, didn't you? it turned out to be so, so much more. Well, hope you enjoyed that one. Another fantastic tale from Dr. Creepin's Vault, the subreddit I set up so you could share your stories with me and I could read them all for you. Did you enjoy that one? Hope you did. I thought that was a really, really good one. Well, thoughts, feelings, love, hate, general comments in the comment section below the video, and as ever, I will do my best to reply to as many as I can. Now, my dear friends, you go out there and enjoy the weekend as best you can, because I'll be back again with you very soon, and I demand your attention. <laughs> Seriously, my dear friends, have a good one. Very, very sweet dreams. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this story today. It really means a lot to me and to the author of the story, of course. Well, if you want to know more about me, I'm pretty much everywhere on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can download my music on SoundCloud. Um, I've got a Patreon if you feel like. Throw me a dollar or two. Very much appreciated. And of course, on Reddit, I have a place where you can leave stories if you want me to read one that you've written. Well, hoping to see you all again very soon. Till then, sweet dreams. Bye-bye.